Hello, parents. So glad you are here today. Welcome to part two with David Bedrick. We talk more about unshaming our children and some other regrets that parents have and how to really deal with the shame that we feel about sending our kids away, them not acting appropriately, and we just get more in depth. And I'm so excited for you to hear more. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, and welcome to Parenting Post-Wilderness, your guide to parenting struggling teens. I'm your host, Beth Hillman, a mom of five boys, including a post-wilderness teen and a life coach for parents. I will guide you on how to influence lasting change by first understanding the relationship-changing power of focusing on your own behavior instead of futile attempts to control your teens. Parents, the change begins with us. Have you studied much of family systems therapy and the person who started it? I just look for the person who started it and they give me a person. That's not. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I am familiar with it. I don't know who started it. Yeah. Anyway, but in family systems therapy, the initiator of family system therapy said he was seeing children of families. And he said, these children are the identified patients. Mm. Meaning... They are the they are the symptom of the family. They're yes. not the illness. They're the symptom of the family. And then the then the family sends the child. It's not only this is not the only truth, but there's an intelligence in it. There's many ways of doing it. Sure, he said. And really, it's the family system, right? So your example is a great example of family system. Your son will show you in his examples and his demands on you that you need a certain kind of power. He will demonstrate it. He'll use it in, in not so well. He'll push you into it. And that's part of the relationship that he has with you. Hmm. You have to love that part. You can hate it part. I mean, hate it. You know, hate is too strong. You can hate it a little bit, but you also have to kind of go, uh-huh. That's part of what bonds us, what we are doing as mother and son, many other things, zillions of other things and the love sure. and all that stuff. But this is part of the thing. He's my teacher and he's my student. He's my teacher and he's my student. And life has put us together in part to wrestle with that. And if I leave, if that psychologist I worked with can't get in touch with his power, his son's going to do it all of it. He doesn't know what to do with it. He's a 15-year-old. Maybe a 15-year-old could know what to do with it, but he doesn't. But so those kind of relationships happen all the time. Somebody becomes the identified patient. I worked with a, a parent um, some time ago. A guy was incredibly successful, super disciplined, physical exercise. He had all kinds of expertises in the use of the body and martial arts and stuff and all kinds of things about himself. He was like very successful, many different areas of life, very together person. I was very impressed with him, you know, a a formidable man and believed in a good planet and doing amazing stuff. One of his children was like him, very disciplined, getting things done. He said, I have a problem with one of my children. And I said, yeah, I bet you I know what the problem is before you tell me. <laughs> he says, what? I said, they're not very disciplined. They're not very together. They're not tight as a drum. They're not, you know, making the success steps, right? Because, and what am I saying? That's, that's smart, but not only so smart. I'm saying, I know what the problem is. He's not like you. I'm not like saying anything deeper. I'm just saying he's not like you. Now, the difficulty of that is this person has a value system, like all of us, that thinks, but the things that are like me are pretty good things. 
Yeah. And they may be. They look good on him. <laughs> right. But the son's saying, I'm a different kind of person. So he has to, at some point, think, my son is also a teacher. And then I have to say to him, are the ways in which you would like to not be making your next steps in life, not be so disciplined, not getting up at 4.30 in the morning so you can do your exercises for two hours before, the, are the ways you would like to not be that way? Uh, very, very little. I need to know a lot, those very, very little bit of those ways. What would happen? This, and I would do this. I would read poems in the morning, do nothing. Oh, you'd read poems. So I need to get to know this part of him that's a little bit like the son who's being looked at as the identified patient. And then he can embrace that son. Otherwise, that son's going to feel like I'm the, whatever, I don't like using the term black sheep, but you know what I mean? I'm the loser of the family because that's the value system. I'm not a teacher. I'm not somebody who has their own view. I'm not an authority. I'm not the healer of the family because I'm bringing in a whole different thing. I'm not the healer of the trauma from years ago that made us survive by being disciplined. I'm not all those things, right? I'm just a problem. And if that child soaks that in, then they'll soak in shame. They'll be against their nature and they won't know the beauty and intelligence that lives in them. That's a real wrestle. But in that case, the parent has to say, like you have to say, that son is also, he's me. He's showing me. Yeah, go ahead. I just, I love that thought. I I think that is very, very prevalent with, with the parents I work with, the therapeutic industry, because we are, we're sending our children away to get help or to get fixed or mm-hmm. to get figured out, you, you know, why the, why the other siblings and, and parents are, are at home living their lives. And it, yeah. it is very difficult for that kid who gets a, sent away. It's in it. Um, that identified patient thing, I think is so prevalent. How, how do you ca- counteract that? It, does it, does it come from uh, I guess a parent's understanding or knowing that that they're actually just what do you call it um, a, a flag in the family, like or, or an identifier or a someone who's actually. Sometimes I think of my son is the only. So he was our fourth son. He was the the most courageous, and I really, I really mean that because I feel it. I can see it on your face. Yeah. Yeah, every everyone else sort of just complied, um, and right. and I was really grateful at the time <laughs> for compliant children. And then you know this one comes along, and and because we're we're through it a bit, um, and and things are going okay, yeah. I'm able to to look and assess a little differently. And yeah. I think actually, I think he had the most courage. Beautiful. So. And then you have to say, I need more courage in my life. That's the, then you're oh, the patient. Gosh. Then you're the quote unquote patient too. Not patient is the wrong word, right? Sure. Right. I see. There's a courage in that. I don't like the way it's being expressed. I'm not okay with him putting me down, et cetera. I got, I'm not okay with him using drugs that he, he could lose his life or be in jail or die. I'm not okay with that. But there's someone who is willing to break the common rules and follow himself regardless of the cost. There's yeah. a quality in it, not the expression. You have right. to make that distinction, but he's able to say, screw it. I'm going to do this, whatever I want anyway. Yeah. Do I need some of that. Can I absorb some yes. of that? How would I do that? Not by doing something awful and putting a needle in your arm and losing your life. Not in that way, but where do you need it? Where are you confined? Where are you not saying, I don't care about the rules. I'm going to do something that's going to upset the system. 
And then he's a little bit relieved of that job. Will he change because you do that? Maybe, maybe not, but it's possible. Some kids, when the family integrates the essence of the energy, the essence, not everybody becomes drug addicts. I'm not suggesting that. <laughs> I'm not saying that just so people don't get me because some people accuse me of saying things like that. You know, you're saying we should, it's okay to be a child abuser, pedophile. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not an idiot. You know, I get it. You know, but that's, I love that. Yeah. The other word that came into my mind is, is he, he was such a, a rebel. And I, I admire that. I, I think of so many ways I would like to become more of a rebel. Yeah, I, I would like to get out of, you know, nine to five, or, or, or I want to sell everything I, I own and live in a tiny home. I want, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I want to rebel against some things. And, yeah. and I do, I, ad, at this point, I admire that in him. I, yeah. I love that you just said that. Yeah, that's it. And then if you quit your nine to five, and I'm not saying you should quit or make the, or not trying to make a decision. Right. If you, let's imagine you quit your nine to five and you live in a tiny home. Don't worry about the fear and I shouldn't do that. I'm not saying you should do it. There's no, this is just an experiment. You, you've left the nine to five and you live in a tiny home. And what's so good about it? Freedom. Say more about freedom. Uh, time freedom, money freedom. Uh, I could do what I wanted. What would you want to do if you didn't have to worry about time and money? What would you want to do? And you can do anything. You can say, I want to hang out in the trees. Anything that comes to mind, and we're just thinking, playing for a Literally, moment. I just thought, I, I just, like in my mind, I made a, like a grass angel, you know, like a snow angel, but in the grass. Mm -hmm. And I just laid on, I just am laying on the grass in a field and just staring at the sky. That's it. That's it. This part of you, this woman who stares at the sky and whatever that state that she gets. And if we went more, I'd say, go ahead, stare in the sky. And that state you're in is a spiritual quality. Otherwise, because the angel and the sky is hmm. a reflective, deep woman who is, and she wouldn't use just that power to just like, okay, I'll stand up to people. She's standing up to ideas about how to live as a person, as a woman, as a parent. And some of those ideas are oppressive. And she would break out of that. And then she would use her force to break out of that. Once she broke out, what'd she do? Would she walk around pounding the pavement? She'd reflect deeply. Her spiritual center would become a very important part of her life. She'd be connected to the angels. So we have to know that about her. That's where she, that's the place she gets to. Then we have to say being courageous means to be more like that. More, more time with the angels and maybe childlikeness. I don't know that, but I'm projecting on the event. <laughs> Mm -hmm. oh, so, I didn't even I know I was going to say that. I'm money are some of the biggest oppressors there are. Yeah. I mean it. Because they look literal. Well, there is only an hour. We did have to meet at a certain time, and I was three minutes late for that. We really, that's really true. And I am going to charge $500, and you pay me $450. i am going to bill you, and I'm going <laughs> to add my bank account. I get all that stuff, but it's not only true. It's one truth. It's very important. But money is not only logical. And now there's no single person I know who's only logical about money, whether they're poor or not poor, or whatever poor means, man, they have a little bit of money, they have millions of dollars, they can hardly put food on the table. It's a deep, profound experience. And the, and the extent to which it's not literal, there's all kinds of values and ideas and insecurities and, and all kinds of things that we learn about those things that aren't only true, that imprison us.
Those yeah. need to be unbounded. Otherwise, money looks like five and five is 10. Eh, it's not really like that. Anyway, and time. Oh, my goodness. Time is one of the biggest biggest things. Lots of cultures, dreaming cultures, Aboriginal cultures, including African-American culture, doesn't exactly obey the time thing the same way. Because that's irresponsible from one point of view. But there's another point of view where there's a flow to life and you don't do things when it's like not moving, et cetera. So time yeah. itself is a really radical thing to mess with. Yeah. Mm. I just want to support that in you. <laughs> Thank you. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Um, I'm going to ask you um, one more thing. That's okay. Ask me one more. Um, is, so a lot of, a lot of, my clients and a, and a lot of parents who do end up sending their kids away, there is so, oh, so yeah. much shame yeah. around not being good enough, not being able to help their kid, right. not being the person who can help. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, can, and I, maybe that's too broad, but can you speak to them yes. and, and how they can, yeah. what let they me, can do with that? Let me be, let me be ge- more general first. And then if I don't hit something, say, ask me again. Okay. Okay. Here's the general thing. I have never met a parent who came to me saying, this is how I screw up. This is how I'm inadequate. This is what's wrong with me. This is why I'm not good enough. There's some, there's usually a little bit or a lot of truth inside that statement. There is something that needs help. They do need help to make some changes. And there's often an inner criticism. It's not just like a, oh, right. I really do need to be more fierce with my son. I'm learning that. I didn't know how to use my power quite when I threw the phone, but it was my power was in there. So I was learning that and took me a while to be able to meet him more strongly. Can you hear? I'm explaining the whole thing without a judgment. I'm still needing the help. I'm still needing to learn to do with the phone. I'm still not okay with what I did with the phone, but I'm, I'm portraying a self-loving attitude. I wish I could have done it different because I'm still learning. I'm still learning to use my power. I'm still learning about the courage. Yeah, I'm getting there. He's a teacher of mine. That's important for me to learn that. Otherwise, I'm going to do certain things that aren't the best because I want to use my power in in ways that really build love. All that's no criticism. Just true. That's the truth of the criticism. The rest of it, but you really should have. You really did screw that up. You really should never have done that. That really was a mistake. What I'm now echoing is not useful at all and hurtful. And whenever a parent has something like that going on in their mind, they need to have somebody say those words to them out loud. Please, I would say if I were the father in your family, if there is a father, I would say, uh, and I was screwing up, I'd say, that's something saying to me, I'm a bad father for these and these and these and these reasons. And it's really rough inside of me. And I'm feeling like a piece of turd. I'd say, please say those words to me as ugly as you can and help me defend myself. Wow. Okay. Defend myself. Help me stand up to that and speak back and say why it's not true or why you're a jerk or why you sound like my father who put me down all the time. And I don't think it has to do with my parenting. You've been putting me down my whole life about every single thing I've done. Help me stand up to that because I am getting abused by an internalized critic. As a tiny little bit of truth, I should have done something different. I got it. I'm not saying I shouldn't learn or that I could do things better. I get it. I'm not, not, I'm taking seriously that I want to learn as a parent and be a better one and grow. I'm taking all that seriously. But you beating me up day after day regularly does not make me a better parent. It robs me of my power. It robs me of my wellness. 
I now start looking at my child as a mistake that I'm making, as opposed to a human being. My child is not a mistake and the guilt doesn't help me see my child. It blinds me to actually, I'm just seeing my critic putting me down rather than actual human being who's trying to learn. I won't be sit here and be criticized more than one or two or three times. And then I'm going to defend myself and I'll pick, take the piece of it that I think I'm really genuinely working on, but I'm not going to sit here and feel like I'm a piece of shit parent and feel mm. guilty for more than a day because it's not useful. I'm not saying I don't hurt things. Maybe I've hurt my child really badly. Maybe I did some awful abuse to them. I'm still saying for that parent walking around feeling like you're a bad parent is not going to mend that relationship. It will lead you to treat that child, look to them to help you feel better because you, yeah. because you, because they're angry at you. It won't help at all. You have to own something. I'm not an, about irresponsibility. If a parent hurt a child, it's that you have to grok that. What does that mean? Look, if I was with a parent who hurt a child really badly as a, as a youth, I would say, what's the event? I know I'm such a screw up. I'm such a screw up. No. Let's look at the event. What happens to you when you get in touch with what happened? Well, I really screwed up. No. What happens to you? It breaks my heart. I want to know about your broken heart, please. Weep, wail, go to the broken heart. That's fine. That's a genuine experience. Your pain about that, I'm 100% okay. Needing to scream about how agonizing it was, I'm all okay. Thinking you're a piece of crap and you feel terrible about yourself, not helpful for you or the child. No one's getting healed by that. It's a misnomer. So people are getting beat up inside and need to defend themselves. No, I will not feel guilty about that. I will address it. I'll get to know it. I'll make it a learning point. I'll spend the rest of my life learning to be a better person, but I'm not going to walk around feeling like a bad person because of it. I'm going to walk around feeling like a person committed to learning that I'm happy with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thank you. I appreciate that. And I, and I do, I think you answered that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We can, we can look at the things and the decisions that we make. Yeah. Whether, whether, we wish we'd done them or not. Yeah. And then find find that inner critic voice and say no. Yeah. It's not useful. It's not people. Where does it come from? It comes from our own childhoods and culture that we got beat up for not doing the spelling word right or whatever we did. We got criticized ourselves by something. So we just like treat ourselves like that. We're parenting ourselves. <laughs> by saying you're bad you're bad you're bad you're bad you're bad it's like that's you know okay every so often you're bad stop it but if that's all you ever did with your child is tell them why they were bad why they were bad they're going to be miserable and they're not going to want to learn from you and they're going to get away from you as soon as they possibly can so that's what's really going on inside yeah. a dear friend of mine uh professor at a university incredible woman two kids and i just always learned from her as a mother she used to watch over the kids and ask her questions and she went, this was a long time ago, and she went to a talk that the Dalai Lama did. And afterwards, um, people asked questions. You know, he was like, any questions? And he answered. And then some woman stood up and said, I'm a single mother of two children, and I have these difficulties, these difficulties, and how would you address that? And the Dalai Lama said, I could never do that. That job would be way over my head. <laughs> and that's what I call unshaming, you see? <laughs> yeah. You know, including me, right? So it's like, I don't have kids. I can never do the job. doesn't mean I don't know certain things when people tell me, but then I have, but I have authority because I have, I can author ideas and learn from people who teach me. And then I have zero authority also both because I'm not in there doing that, developing that particular relationship, the real relationship, 
making mistakes, learning, not knowing things, taking three generations before certain cor- things get corrected because of traumas. That's how long it could take for a family to pick up certain things over time. That's the real life, <laughs> not the weekend workshop. The real life <laughs> is, oh my gosh, I had a father and he had a Jewish background. There was traumas going in there. And now he acts certain ways. He doesn't know what to do with his violence. Big surprise given the culture he lives in. Gives big surprise in a sexist culture that you don't know how to use your power in the same way. Maybe that your mother didn't. That the problem you're having with your son is also a generational problem, is also a social issue around you as a woman. All those things are woven into that particular problem. And we have to hold it with the compassion of this is a big thing I'm being asked for. I'm sure your mom had similar issues around her own empowerment. How does she express her her fire (laughs) and stuff like that? So it's not just you and your son. And it's not just her either. Right. Right. (laughs) We're working on our, right. I had a violent father. And then a mother who was incredibly disempowered, that meant she could never say, this is not okay. David, are you okay? This is wrong. She had to deny the whole thing. Yeah. So, and oh I'm upset with her. She's gone on whatever. We had our differences and our comings together and dying moments and all that good stuff. But it's not only her. Yeah. I'm 68. Many women of that generation and beyond never were asked to be powerful. They weren't allowed to stand up to men. I'm not saying that's, I'm not excusing her. My own relationship with her, I can say, damn it, you should have done. That's fine. But I also know that we're working on social problems. Yeah. That there's context to everything, right? Yeah. And these social contexts are enormous, enormous, and also left out. We're working on generational, every, every parent's working on a generational difficulty, not just their own, and a social difficulty. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you said that too. Um, very much agreed. In fact, I really appreciate it when I have um, non-white <laughs> clients because I'm white, and so yeah. I- I'm so grateful when when they when I ask them a- about their culture and or when they inform me about their culture. It just matters so much. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. How do we hold those the family system? Well, well. I feel like I feel like I could talk to you all day. So yeah, I know. Great um, question. <laughs> yeah, I I just thank you so much for for being here and uh, thank you, Beth, for inviting me. Yeah, and and helping us see. To me, this is some somewhat new way to to look at things and and, and to explore. And I I have been very grateful in my own life for for your new lenses. Mm, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's an honor. So, honor. It's a it's a privilege for me to have developed a certain kind of intelligence, meaning in ideas and frameworks, and then have people who want to hear. Yeah. I I used to have a lot more trouble in my relationships. I remember going to my therapist twenty years ago and saying, I'm having trouble with my partner. And he said he knew me pretty well. He's like, David, what are you doing with your writing? I'm now working on a fourth book. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really getting the books done. And, da, da, da. and he said, forget about your relationship work and get your book done. He said, you're looking for something that you can you need to get somewhere else. Mm. I sense <laughs> my own self and the goodness of myself. I'm not saying nobody has relationship problems. You know, that's, you know, um, but living a life. And so it's a privilege for me to have a place I didn't always have a voice in the world. Um, so it makes my life better. I a hundred percent agree. Parents need yeah. to be living their own lives, even while their children are struggling. I think that's very, very, very true. Yeah, you need it. Thanks for wrestling with your 
son and talking about that genuinely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank Addictions you. are not just your problem. It's just, it's one way difficulties manifest. Some people manifest their difficulties in relationships, some through addictive processes, some through body symptoms and illnesses and difficulties, some through their, their life in the world and they shouldn't wear sweatshirts and many different things. And everybody has a place where their big difficulties show up. Hmm. Everybody. And some people shows up there. It's not because they're more sick or whatever. It's because they have the real difficulties and they show up in that way. So, and it's a real, it's a real way and it's a powerful thing. And the whole culture needs to know a lot more about people who don't play by the rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh gosh. They really do. Um, Well, I, I actually sent an email out just the other day about your Unshaming Addictions class, and, okay. and I know you're going to be doing um, many more wonderful things. So I will continue to share your work with my audience, and I'm sure I will find they'll be able to find your information in the show notes. So cool. thank, cool. thanks again. Lots of love, Beth. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey there. Thank you for joining me today. If you know a struggling parent, please share this with them. If you have any questions or want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Beth Hillman Coaching or through my website, BethHillmanCoaching.com. And remember, parents, the change begins with us.